Yeshiva, Harav Lam Shlita, Rabbi Rothman, Rabbi Rosenzweig, Haverim, ladies and gentlemen. As chairman of the convention, I'd like to begin and take a moment to thank you all for coming. A convention is memorable for its substance and its chavra shop. Rabbinic alumni has always provided both in abundance. Thanks to our excellent speakers and to you who have come. I would additionally like to acknowledge the ongoing support of Rabbi Bob Hurt, Vice President for Administration and Professional Education at REIT, and in particular to recognize Rabbi Beryl Rothman and applaud his tenure as President of our organization. His moving address last evening, and even more so his personal message tonight, cap a presidency that was characterized by those of us who know Beryl by a self-effacing dedication and an open affection for us and the Yeshiva. I also thank Rabbi Abe Kupchik, who prior to his departure from CCS asked me to chair this convention to my co-chair, Rabbi Chaim Mater, for his assistance in the planning of this event. And just to mention, Avraham Newman, a fourth-year Smitha student at the Yeshiva, who volunteered his time, came up to help the convention arrangements. But clearly, as we all know, it was the incredible diligence and effort and responsible loyalty of Rabbi Steve Dworkin who along with his committee and staff guaranteed the success of our gathering. Steve is a person who has distinguished himself as one who genuinely cares and who is acutely sensitive to the welfare of his Haverim, and that collective Haverim warmly embraces us all. Steve and I know each other for many, many years, and it was a pleasure to work with him in planning this convention. Properly introducing someone of the stature and distinction of Rabbi Lamb must, I believe, take its cue from the context of the occasion. This is rabbinic alumni. We are Talmidei HaYeshiva, and Rabbi Lamb is certainly our Rebbe and mentor, but this evening, even more significantly, he comes to us as our chover, our friend as well. I would thus, thus like to introduce the dimension of Rabbi Lamb's remarkable persona that is often obscured by our understandably proud focus on his more public, institutional, and scholarly achievements. I would like to introduce him as our Rebbe Chover. The Gemara in Shabbos tells us the Gidola Hachnotas Orchim Yoser Mikabolas Pnei Ashkina, hospitality to strangers is greater than welcoming the Divine Presence. Indeed, how can any mitzvah supersede intimacy with HaKadosh Baruch The Rosh Shlita Mehidi Well, in an essay years ago in a different context, spoke about the importance of the Shalom greeting. Even the recitation of Shema is to be interrupted, and its supreme affirmation of Kabbalah or Malchus Shemayim must give way and oblige us to acknowledge another person's existence and infinite worth. Apparently, no matter how global and ennobling one's work may be, one's involvement in that Avodah HaKodesh must never proceed at the expense of the needs of a simple constituent, anonymous though he may be. 
A man's greatness is surely manifest in the public acclaim he receives, but its essence, the core, I believe, is the extent to which a great man makes room for that plain man, the unfamiliar face in the crowd, the stranger. When Rabbi Lamb assumed the presidency of our yeshiva some 15 years ago, I read in one of his early communiques that his door would be open to all who sought his counsel. At that time, in a need of some objective and experienced advice, I called to make an appointment fully expecting to be told that the new president's busy schedule would simply preclude any meetings other than those relating to the pressing needs of the university. I was pleasantly surprised when I was told that Rabbi Lamb would be happy to see me. Our appointment was neither rushed nor perfunctory. Indeed, Rabbi Lamb's genuine concern and undivided attention for someone relatively unknown to him was a chesed I will long remember and cherish. And it continued over the years. You see, what makes this so significant to me is that I view myself, as I imagine most of us do, a simple rank-and-file alumnus with no special access to the presidential office. And yet I can never remember a time when I was not greeted warmly, a smiling shalom aleichem, accorded gracious respect, and invariably provided with patience and wise counsel by Rabbi Lamb. It has always been a wonderful feeling and experience that I know many, many, many others have enjoyed as well. It would seem that Hashem apparently is quite proud to be mochel on his covered for one who is a machnus orech, or for one who interrupts his shema and responds to another with a shalom aleichem. Avraham was so extraordinary precisely because of his concern for the ordinary. Rabbi Lamb's tenure as president of our yeshiva has been extraordinary precisely because of his tenacious dedication to principles and values that address themselves to one of the most precious of all relationships, that of Rebbe and Talmud. And nowhere is that familial relationship more evident than at our rabbinic alumni conventions, a homecoming of sorts where the Rebbe Chover and his Talmudim reunite in a bond of chesed, which as we all know, is the bedrock of all faith, creativity, and true bracha. And so it is indeed with much gratitude that I introduce Moreno Zerabenu Zahadereno Harab Nachum Lamb. Thank you very much, Rabbi uh, Bienenfeld. Normally when I hear uh, similar extravagant introductions, it occurs to me that Kol HaMosif Gorea, but in this case I felt that despite the fact that uh, all Yeshvachim were misguided, they were nevertheless genuinely felt and experienced, and therefore in this case, Kol HaMarbarez and the Shubach, I'm going to sit down and have you continue. <laughs> I'd like to add my congratulations and gratitude to the outgoing president of rabbinic alumni, Rabbi Bernard Barrow, Rizzi, Rabbi Rothman, oh, already taking a back seat. And uh, I suppose it's Avdov, right? And uh, at the same time to offer my good wishes, promise of cooperation, especially who brings in a lot of money to Yeshiva. The next uh, president of rabbinic alumni, my old uh, YU dormitory roommate, Rabbi Bernard Dove Rosenzweig. Uh, with regard to both of you, I'm sure you'll both always prove deserving of our praise and to paraphrase David Amalek, Dove the Dove Neshabach Masechem. The theme uh, I chose for myself was that three times by three different people in the administration, what is the theme we have to know? I told them and no one ever announced it. Uh, uh, is the future of creativity in Judaism. What motivated me to choose the 
particular subject of novelty or creativity, Hiddush, in Jewish life is not some academic speculation, this is not an academic forum, but a worry, a concern, that a rupture is taking place between the past and the future of creativity in both halacha and makshava, although I shall uh, confine myself to the former rather than the latter. All of us here, directly or indirectly, are tamidim of the love, may God grant him health and years. And for us, creativity is an accepted part of our derech. There's a great desideratum of a tamakocham is to be a machadish. Uh, can any of us imagine a shir or a dasha by the rov without one or two or three brilliant scintillating kedushim? It's, it's the nature of, of a man, of our Rebbe, and therefore our nature is chayavadam the daber b'lishon davol. I know that I have, and I'm sure all my chavayim have, always conceived of ourselves, our future development, not just as repetition, but as creativity, building block upon block, adding a nofech mishalonu, something original, quintessentially our own, to the, to the growth and expansion of Torah. But there are signs in the Orthodox Jewish community, here and abroad, that things are changing, that a resistance to creativity is merging, emerging, even within the halacha itself, that as that estimable American philosopher Yogi Berra once said, the future ain't what it used to be. Uh, if I were to be dramatic, I would say that I hear a new noise in the world, the noise of mental doors being slammed shut by their fearful owners, one after the other. Healthy minds are being closed. Our whole sacred tradition, our whole intellectual Messiah, is imperceptibly, but really, being challenged and changed as the very act of Chiddush is itself becoming regarded as a Chiddush and therefore a suspect. Now, I am neither a sociologist nor the son of a sociologist, the paraphrase says out, so I do not come armed with charts and statistics disguised as facts. My fears are substantiated rather by rumors which I suspect are not unfounded, and by an intuition which may be right or may be wrong, uh, and I leave it to you to judge whether the conclusions that flow therefrom are worthy of a discussion by us or not. I will simply relate some anecdotes that have been told to me, as well as my own sense of things, my own observations, and I pray that I am wrong, that I'm being an alarmist. If so, we will at least have had, I hope, an opportunity to exchange ideas of how we live our lives as B'nai Torah. First, some amusing incidents relating to superficial matters, the concerns of our problem. A very perceptive, bright, responsible, objective member of our faculty at Yeshiva, himself, a Hasid uh, both in substance and appearance, fantastic scholar, superb Tamakokam, men I highly respect, tells me that a Belzer friend of his, a denizen of Williamsburg, who learns in a colon in Borough Park, was on the subway. I'm sorry, the bus. Nowadays, Dr. Rebel used to go on the subway. Nowadays, he go by bus. Uh, was on the bus, and he was sitting and looking at a safer. The safer happened to be the Das Mikra to Bamidbar. And as he's sitting and learning, reading, Another man comes over a chosid and begins to upbraid him, begins to reproach him. Ha'itochin v'se'elein ta'buruch u'nitkan seifa. Reading the book, Rachman of Islam, the charge is terrible. Why do we think he is, he is reading a book and not a seifa? Because the Da'at Mikra comes with a dust jacket and with a modern binding. And this is an unacceptable kiddush. The man really Mended. And I am told that this is not uh, an unusual incident, but this is very common in the Hasidic community. The resistance to surface change is more muted in the non-Hasidic 
so-called yeshiva community. I don't like the term. I don't know where it comes from. Yeshiva community should be yeshiva community. Um, thus, the art school phenomenon has finally convinced many publishers that, at least in English, modern bindings and dust jackets are kosher. Some groups, indeed, have taken to the glossy and the flashy with unrestrained zeal. One of the most ideologically hidebound and self-righteous magazines appears in a format so flashy, so glossy, so filled with jazzy photos and zingy subtitles and typeface, so modern that an observer can hardly avoid the suspicion that Madison Avenue types have infiltrated the movement. But, okay, that's all on a superficial level, and that's not really the germane uh, to my, to my talk. Uh, on a more substantive level, we find the beginnings of a subtle resistance to Kiddush that is a bit more worrisome. I am told, for instance, that in some yeshivas, the greatest praise, the greatest encomia, are reserved for a gavaldiga boki, really for a gavaldiga machadish. And Ili is valued for his memory and his bukiyot, not his chidushin. It is worthy to be known as a human retrieval system for the speed of comprehension and accuracy of retrieval, not for originality or profundity. And to be fair, there is something to be said for moving the emphasis in halacha from chidushin to gathering, collecting material, organizing it, focusing it, so that it's, all, the mass of halakhic material is made more serviceable for Tamidah HaKhamim, the first Zambal about him. Rav Kasha, the founder of the Menachem Mendel Kasha, in the introduction to Asari Elif, points out that this is a, a new Takufa that is beginning. The Takufa of the, of the Akronim, with all this brilliant, uh, fantastic, stellar capacity for Kiddush, beginning with the Yosef Karel, has come to an end, and now comes the Kufa of ingathering, such as, as far as he said, it started early with the Sidei Chemed, with the, um, with the Chmeid, the Dalkei Tshuva, with the Mishnah Bruder, uh, now you have the Encyclopedia Talmudit, he has uh, Postum, of course, his own works, the Torah Shlema, and other such things, and then you have collections on Shabbos and collections on the Zuzah, even on the most esoteric of subjects, Bichas Hachama, you have again a collection of, of it's, a, it's, a, it's an era, it's Kufa of collections. But all this marvelous exemplary anthological work does not by any means deny the need and value of being a Machadish. The Moshe Feinstein's Nefertatik of Rocco was not uh, a Machanes, he was a Machadish. And he was valued as such universally. We return therefore to our original question. Granted that, as a human weakness, originality is often suspect and creativity is disturbing, you know, is uh, this incipient resistance to novelty in halacha, the stifling of Kiddush and Torah, does it represent a valid strain of our tradition, or is it perhaps a travesty of our entire Messiah. Is Kiddush really a Kiddush? Or is it part of an ongoing continuum of halakhic creativity? In crude terms, is it good or bad for the Jews? Now, as I mentioned before, it's not an academic lecture. I'm not a historian. Uh, if I were a historian, I wouldn't say a word about history, not with David Bozer in the audience. So I won't even pretend to offer a historical record of this phenomenon besides that Professor Yochanan Silman of Bar-Ilan has an article in the current or forthcoming issue of AJA Proceedings and the historical background is an excellent article, I recommend it. But just a light sketch of some significant early sources before getting down to the contemporary thing. We begin at the beginning of the Tkufa Satanayim, or the high point of peak, and the first thing we hear is a policy against Kiddush, against Kiddush and in insistence upon the preservation and transmission of halakhic knowledge exactly as one heard it from his teacher. And the protagonist here are Abiyachadim ben Zakai and his great Talmud, Rabbi Yezer ben Kutanis. Gwaren Sukhya says, Dachsafana from Adalavitsa Gemara Yimad 2, Omri Olav Abiyachadim ben Zakai, Miyomav, 
Le'omar Bavar Shaloshamah Mipi Rabba Me'olam Never said anything that he, Rabbi Yechonim Anzaka, didn't hear from his teacher. V'chein hoi Rabbi Le'ezer Tamidol Noheg Acharov Followed the same tradition, he only said what he heard from Rabbi Yechonim Anzaka Keeping the transmission intact. However, while Rabbi Eliezer clearly is of this opinion, this is his derech, this is his shita, it is less certain with regard to his rabbi, the Dothra Menzak, I followed that. He can probably tell me the same mission that I'm going to tell you now. It's a mission in Perkei Ovis. That Rabbi Hamisha Tamidim Hoyer, Rabbi Dothra Menzak, Hoyer Manishvachan, Rabbi Leza Ben Hokanes, is Boris Tusha, and him Abbe Tifa, and the last one is Rabbi Leza Ben Arach, who is Ma'ayan Hamizgaber. Now, that actually means that Ablezer ben Hirkanet perfect retention, Ablezer ben Arach, an overflow of creativity. And then, when he monish vachan, he says, and you can how you you call chachmi Yisrael b'kaf achas, but Ablezer ben Hirkanet is the kaf shmiya. He he was machia or something. I take the one of the retentive memory, the anti chiddush, but instead of that, who believes in the perfect flawless transmission without addition or subtraction over all Chachmi Yisrael. But, Abishol on the Mishmal, as against the Tanakam according to Abishol and Menzaka, Abishol says the Hefa, that if all Chachmi Yisrael, including Abba Elizabeth Herkinus, were in one side of the balance, and Abba Elizabeth on the other, Abba Elizabeth would be in Machia the other. So you have two diametrically opposed uh, Mishmalos uh, in the name of Abishol and Menzaka. Now, the question, therefore, is what did Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai really advocate? Is it creativity or retentiveness? Uh, the answer is there are two opinions. Uh, some of the some of the Mephoshim cited that both are right, but you know, when you say both are right, you have to be able to explain it. This seems to be simply two different opinions. This dilemma is compounded, and perhaps as a result of being a compounded dilemma, it may be clarified. By a fascinating story told in Pekar Abdelaziz. There we read that Rabbi Eliezer comes to Yerushalayim during the time of the when Bichud and Adoso comes to Yerushalayim, and there he meets his Rebbe. He meets Rabbi Yechonon ben Zakkai. The latter, Rabbi Yechonon ben Zakkai, turns to his Talmud and says, "No, I'm all going to Jivrei Torah." Zagat, Zagavot, and Abdelaziz begs off. He says, "Listen, Rabbi, everything I know, I know from you. What am I going to tell you?" You are the source for me to tell it to you, and I'm quoting Rabbi and Hercules, is like shipping coal to Newcastle. So, <laughs> what am I, what am I going to tell you? So Rabbi Yechonim and Zakkai says to him, listen, listen my Talmud, I'm quoting, That's Kiddush. That the Torah you can say is even more than the Torah that Moshe received at Sinai. It's an, almost an open-ended invitation to Kiddush. But he knows that Abelazah ben Hirkinus feels very shy, he's very embarrassed to say anything in front of Rabbi Yochanan that didn't hear. He says, you know what? You say Torah, I'm going out. And he says that the door to the Bishmedish, and he listens. And then we read as follows. Kari Abel Hayar Abi Eliezer Yosheh V'Doresh Ufanov Mi'iroz K'or HaChama the Karnosov Yosha'or Kukarnosha the Eina Dam Yodeya in Yom V'im Laila It's so brilliant, so scintillating for the tradition of this Rabbi Eliezer who held that you're not allowed to say anything you didn't hear from his Rebbe that he growled and people were totally en- 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 enmeshed and absorbed they didn't know if it was day or night But Rabbi Yochanan Mayachorov when he finished in Russia the temple, the halacha Rabbi Yochanan came in through the door from the back of him, when the shokai al-raisha, he kissed him on his head, Amalai Ashechem, Avraham, Yitzhak, V'yakov, Sheyotzer, Yomichavatzechem. Always are lucky that they produced such a, such a young man. Whereupon, that Eliezer ben Hokanus, his father, Hokanus, who originally was a rich man and wanted a son to go into business with him, so many of our rich students have the same experience, and he refused, and he was angry with Rabbi Yezer, he was there, he said, what, what did the Rabbi say? They told him, I said to Mavram Yitzriyaki, he said, no. No kacha Yabal Lama. He should have said that. He should have said, Ashrei Ani Shiyasa Zamechalasai. I'm proud of him. 
Well, what do you have here? As far as the Adyopan and the is concerned, the, 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 the particular Adyopan clearly supports Adyopan against the Tanakama, that Adyopan and the was in favor of Kiddush. Or perhaps, which I think is very likely, but I can't prove it, you know, we, we seem to think that people mentioned in Gemara, when once they utter an opinion, that's it for their whole lives, but there were human beings who lived and thought and reconsidered. It's possible that Yosem Zake started out with the opinion that you know what to say are things as a Shemem B. Pidabba, and then he later on changed, because we see that there is a story about him, and all texts, all forms of, all the gifts are, are clear about this. Whatever it might be, that Yochanan, uh, at this point, prefers the Mayan and the Gadot of the Borosud. The question is, I mean, what did Gabrieliezer do afterwards? And this is intriguing, I have no way of knowing. Is it possible that he continued with his opposition to Kiddush? Or was this enormous experience, traumatic in the best sense of the word, uh, this, this uh, incredible experience, could it have left him without any kind of lotion, any kind of mark that should have changed his point of view? Um, my own prejudice is that there were at one point two views during the time of Edith period concerning Tereshaba Alpeh, with a more conservative view against Kiddush being based upon one very simple fact. When you have an oral tradition, then you've got to say only, you can only say for the simple reason you've got to corrupt the transmission of the tradition. So once Tereshaba Alpeh was permitted to be published, then the reason for the Shema Mithirabe simply seems to be just against creativity. It doesn't make sense. At that point, I believe, uh, the whole question really disappeared, and certainly from the days of the Amadam all the way down to the Achron Sheba Achronim, there's clearly a, a, um, uh, an emphasis on Kiddush and a, an acceptance of Kiddush. I'm going to give you the Mara after Mara Bishira says, A Yeshel Vesemed, which you all know, Yeshel Vesemed is, in the Sefer Hasidim, I'm skipping generations here, says, whoever has a Kiddush to say and doesn't say it, Gazos and Akadosh Baruch He gave you a mind. If you're not going to share your knowledge with others, your Kiddushim with others, you're a Gazos and Akadosh Baruch And uh, the Chidah says, for instance, because was facing a problem that many many people who work in Halakha say, how can I say a Kiddush when uh, the Kibayda didn't say it? <laughs> when when, when uh, the Hassan Seva didn't say it? I mean, after all, how much more is it to be Mechadish? If they didn't say it, he says, no. He says, that is the nature of time in Halakha. Every Tukufa has reserved for it a certain allotment of Kiddushim. And they could not have been said in the previous generation. He says, yes, man l'chol Kiddush b'Torah, l'chein l'sham makom l'achronim l'chadish b'Torah, even though they're so much greater than we are. Hadashim, Labakaram, he quotes here. So every Kufa has its possibility to be Mechadish. Now, the last two centuries, since the emancipation, the enlightenment, the phenomenal growth of natural science, which of course is based on Kiddush, um, technology, in other words, the beginnings of modernity, uh, we see a perceptible change and the accepted esteem for Kiddush and originality, and you sense a return to the old conservatism. Not for the same reason, because the idea of, of changing or losing the tradition is irrelevant. It's all published already, it's all written. And incidentally, writing and publishing has a clear role in the halakha of, uh, of, um, of the version of Rav and Talmud. According to Rebbe Mishnah, all the old halakhas, all the halakhas of the ladies that I've encountered, or most of them are no longer relevant since the beginning of printing, or certainly since, well, since the beginning of, of pub publication, but certainly since the beginning of printing. But rather the reason is uh, a fear that if you're going to allow Kiddush in halakha, then it has a tendency, with some people, Kiddush is almost, what should I say, incontinent. You've got to say something new, and therefore, the, the tendency to say something new will result in a demand of change for its own sake and, and the pension for creativity and for innovation, they believe, cannot be contained within the perimeters of halacha and the result will be that they're not going to make a chiddush in halacha but a chiddush on halacha. 
that Kiddush Bahalacha will be transformed wrongly into Kiddush Bidah. And hence, if you're going to be Makadosh in Halacha, you're going to be Makadosh in, in Judaism, and you'll have a new faith, a new religion such as Reform. This, I think, may be oversimplifying it, but I think that's the basis, that is really uh, the reason for this new old conservatism. Now, before providing any, any, uh, any uh, illustrations of what I'm talking about, look at our contemporary cultural psychology. Uh, our technological society is based on the need for change, the desire for the new. And the whole technological imperative is to have something, every year's model of a car has to have that which the previous ones did not have. Never mind if it's important or not important. I don't know why, why anyone, for instance, has to have a, a button that covers the wind, the, the, um, the headlight. There's no reason for it, but it's a, it's a chibish. It's a chap. And a chap will sell. Nothing else will. Um, Look, government grants, if anyone, any one of the scientists at Yeshiva University at Albert Einstein College of Medicine is going to apply for a grant because he's a devoutly good bookie, and he remembers everything that was said in microbiology on a certain molecule, but it's been most often. They're not interested in how well, how well you can memorize. They are interested in what will you add to the sum of human knowledge. Even PhDs in humanities are not given for memorizing. Anyone comes in and says, I memorized all of Shakespeare. The answer is, you should go up, but you can't get a PhD for that. You've got to be a Machadish. The whole world is based on the whole modern, the whole modern temper. I mean, what do we say to someone when we, when we first meet him? What are two words? What's new? It's new. It's the, the French Catholic philosopher Jacques Maritain once referred to this as chronolatry, the, the idolatry of chronos, of time that only the latest in time is value. But, but as one rich one said, whoever is married to the spirit of the times will soon find himself a widower, because there's nothing that passe as yesterday's newspaper. Uh, so we live in a world where you keep on running quickly, quickly, to find out what's new, what's the latest, and whoever has the latest news and heard it and the others didn't is an inside bokster, and he has a special chashivas because it's new. Uh, I prefer the word neophilia. It's uh, someone who loves the new, who's crazy about the new, who's attracted to it. But this neophilia evokes in those of us who are, who will feel responsible for the tradition, for the Messiah, what we might call the same neologism, neophobia, a fear of the new. It's an equal and opposite reaction. The Newtonian principle holds in, uh, in society and psychology as well. And look at the neophobia. There's reason for it. Because the neophilia, the love of the new, and the spirit of change in modern society has brought with it reform and Ascala and secular Zionism and the Chulei B'chulei, championing the revolutionary and the new. So we Orthodox naturally tend to the opposite and we become suspicious of the new. Neophilia becomes the dogma of the non-Orthodox neophobia, pretty much the mindset of the Orthodox. And from this vantage point, I think we can understand and appreciate, really appreciate, what the Chassam Sofer meant when he said, En Chodesh, uh, Al Chodesh Asem and HaTorah. Sometimes people forget that Chodesh Asem and HaTorah happens to be our work in dealing with grain. But all right, they think it was invented only for this purpose. So this has become the war cry, the great slogan of Hungarian orthodoxy. And from a social or sociological perspective, I think it is, it is understandable, and this, this um, has dominated even much of non-Hungarian orthodoxy in our time. However, this um, repudiation of Kiddush is meant to be a repudiation of Kiddush Bidas, not a Kiddush Mahalokha. The Hassan Sofa, after all, says five volumes at least of Kiddushim, Kiddushim and Shach, in addition to all the Kiddushim strewn through his enormous number of Judas. It was not a, it did not affect Kiddush in Halacha proper. For that, we've got to turn not to Hungarians, but to Lithuanians. And here you find, and I'm, I'm going to, uh, because of our late start, probably cut out half of the, of the interesting Makaras that I had, but you have to trust me and have some degree of faith that, uh, that there is this. Um, perhaps the earliest one that I have been able to find, 
maybe the earlier ones of my acquaintance with the subject lead me to think it's the earliest, is in the school of the Vilnagon. You'll find in the introduction to the Nefesh HaChaim of Abchaim Velazhima, his son of Bikula, says the following, which is uh, a marvelous statement of what I would like to call intellectual aestheticism. It says as follows, When you're umman ki yisubar, shakol chidi shem nisham achadesh, Hain begetas the Gemara Pesach and Pesach of the Shalat and Chuvah, who chayshayish when nehenem medivay Torah. Chaim, when he was Mechadesh, was very much afraid that he's taking illicit pleasure from his divay Torah. Maybe the Chiddush is done only to boost his own ego rather than because of Emmett. But he came out with a Chiddush, he would then try to disprove it. Try to disprove it. And so you see that there's a, a, a kind of reserved attitude to Chidushim, but as I said, this is really not anti-Chidush, it is more of an intellectual asceticism that grows out of a very rigorous intellectual honesty. There are people who are beguiled by the idea of saying something new. You can see it not only halakha from, you can read it in any humanistic literature, or even, I hate to say this, in hard scientific literature until the FDA or NIH conducts an investigation. Um, people want to say a Kiddush, they want to get their name up front, they want to be thought of as being very brilliant, uh, and it's a specious kind of originality. The Chaim was afraid of that. The Nitziv has statements that are similar to that. The Chazonish, probably the most radical of all. I, I, by nature, uh, am repelled or, or, or set off by Chiddush. Remarkable, despite his evocation in the last words of the Tanaitic view, this is more a rejection of people, I think, than of Halachic Kiddush as such. The really, real surprise comes when you leave Hungarian and Lithuanian Mishnagdim and you come to Chassidus. Because we're talking now about the modern era, the last 200 years. Here we find a surprising phenomenon. Not merely a defense of Kiddush, but a tremendous celebration of Kiddush. And not only in Halacha, but in the very nature of the religious experience as such. Now, the enchantment with the idea of the new is not unprecedented in the history of Jewish thought. It appears in the Zohar. The Zohar says that every tefillah must be brand new. The Russian, the Zohar uses a, a common uh, metaphor or simile, the Russian, the Ravish, the Tatra, the Ravish, but I'm sure what you, the clothing you wear in the morning, you don't wear when you go to bed. And the clothing you wear when you go to bed, you don't wear in the morning. Therefore, your Shemanesra in the morning, your Shemanesra the morning, your Shemanesra in the must all be different. Because every time you have to be Machadish, and the whole experience of a man or woman who stands before a Kaddish Baruch must never be the same as before. The Bashemta said, the Gresta Avera is also then. To be old is the great, this is despite the fact that we celebrated the 50th anniversary of some of our young Kaddishan tonight, but also then means not to become Noshan, not to become stale. Everything you do has to have a sense of freshness, which really is one of the major teachings of Hasidus, and it comes again from the Zohar. The Chodyam Yukachadoshim Be'enecha, which the Kabbalah is much more, is much um, stronger. Um, I, I was going to skip this, but I have staring at me right now the great representative of Gare in America. How can I not, uh, not speak about Gare? Because Gare emphasizes a sense, uh, a vibrant sense of, of novelty, of freshness, yeah. and excitement with living that you find uh, in Hasidus, not only in its literature, but of course in its, in its life as well. He says, I originally was given in Yiddish, but I happen to take out the Hebrew translation, forgive me. In no achshav emesai, this is the masaiya achshav is there. Achshav hanochachi, the present achshav. Harega she'onu medabrimbo. 
הלא לא היה מאוד בריאס עולם ולא יהיה עוד. מקודם היה עכשיו אחר ואחר כך יהיה עכשיו אחר. And everything that I do, בכל עכשיו יש עבודת הבורא. Everything I do has to be now, present-centered. Don't forget about the past, forget about the future, you're facing HaKadosh Baruch Hu now, and you've got to be, you've got to delight in the novelty, in the unprecedentedness of this moment, of this now. It's never happened before, it's going to go away quickly. Explode it. Kedusha Adam also says this is an interesting thing, and it's similar to what I've told you before in the name of the Fibar and its approach. בכל דור מסגרים פירושי תורה כפי הדור או כפי הצורך להנהגותם. Sounds like a sentence, doesn't it? In every generation there are, there are פירושי התורה which appear according to the generation, according to the needs thrown up by that generation. וכמשה כוסף האבי זאבי אבי had a question. How come he was such a great מחדש in Kabbalah? So much, I mean man died in his thirties. And he produced volumes, he, not he himself, he didn't write. But I mean, the equivalent of volumes that uh, his Talmudim wrote. So how come it wasn't known earlier? How come in the days of, uh, of the Tanan you didn't have this much Kabbalah? Something must be wrong. How come you permit yourself with Kiddush? So the Arizal said that the Rishonim or the Shamas Kedolos of Kedoshim and Hayadal the Ember Ma'at Rezim. They didn't need much Kabbalah because they had Kedusha without it. And he quotes what he says in the Gemara, she is a Medish, that Vorin Shalom Niglu the Moshe Niglu Rabbi Akiva Vachadorah. Why? Shalabi Akiva Ayyad is Manachodan. Hayamai Hatsurech Mahir Old Torah, Old Torah, Biyasa Sayyid. Hold she came with Dora Sachron and Shavadnu Hakobova Senaram Enorakashiya Torah Azot. The generation needed Kabbalah. That's why he gave them Kabbalah. So that's a, uh, again, uh, or shall I say, uh, uh, an understood, self-evident approval of the idea of Kiddush, that's an ongoing process. In Torah, there must be Kiddush. So Torah, the Kiddush is not only permissible, it is mandatory as a means to a greater and more enduring religious devotion and experience. And its importance grows in a spiritually improver- impoverished age rather than becoming suspect as being uh, an error, uh, rather than being a suspect of, of heresy, but rather it is more than Katnus Hamokin. It's an age of Katnus Hamokin. You need Kiddush to get Godless Hamokin, to get greatness. Uh, I would suggest that you also read the Hagdama of the Eglai Tal. Eglai Tal was, of course, the great, great Talmud Chochem, Ayyadada, who was the son-in-law of the Kedusha Adam. Also, the same idea, in which he really reacts, without saying so, to some of the statements that I've quoted to you from Rukhain Velozhna, possibly others, which were, which she interpreted as being anti-Kiddush. He said there are people who say that if you're going to make a Kiddush and you're going to enjoy it, then maybe Shalom Lishma. This is nonsense. The mitzvah is to enjoy it. And that is Lishma. Because if you don't enjoy it, then you're not getting the spiritual aspect of the Kiddush, which really belongs as part of the Kiddush itself. Uh, one of the most outspoken uh, defendants, defenders of this point of view of the celebration of Kiddush is uh, one of my, one of, probably one of the most fruitful uh, minds in, in uh, the history of the latter half of Chassidus, and that's the Tzedek HaKohen. Uh, in one point he says that, here in a sister face with all, which we'll come to in a short while, when he emphasizes the role of Kiddush as a sign of man's participation in the creative act of the Kaddish Baruch we have got to have Kiddush, because that is the way we participate in Tikkun Olam. God created the world, you've got to create. And he says that the Tzedukim didn't accept this. The Tzedukim, for instance, said in Machras HaShabbos, they took literally, that means on a Sunday following Pesach, he says that's because they thought the Torah once given can't be touched. Once the Torah is given, you can't go near it. And therefore, man, through his originality, Bezdin could not tamper with this halacha. The pollution said no. On the contrary, that that uh, for the for the for, for, for the for the um, pollution for the Tanaim, they held that the Shemayim who that that I'm sorry that Loba Shemayim is the Torah is not given. Once the Torah was given, Me'ata 
it, it, it belongs to Tamida Chachamim. Tamida Chachamim has a right, in fact, the, 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 the mandate to be Machadesh. And it is, it is in the hands of Am Yisrael to, to, and the Bezin to be Machadesh, and therefore that is their privilege and their responsibility. He holds that, you know, in, in Kabbalah, the, the soul has three levels. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. I'm not going to go into the whole spiel, time doesn't permit it, for the Tzavik, the Neshama's peculiar, special characteristic is the Koach HaKidosh. It, it represents the intellectual dimension of man, of his soul, and the intellectual dimension is not a matter of a Gutenzikorn, but rather profundity, depth, originality. And uh, finally, just one word of the of the Tzavik. He said, I'm involved in things like the Kuach Nefesh, that are life and death matters. I am not going to jeopardize my, all my activities for Kuach Yisrael because I'll come back to Kuach and the Rinka, but he's only as a consultant for that. Even if it's for Shabbos, I wouldn't do what he said. Because I'm involved in the Kuach Nefesh for Jewish Hashanah. So he said, if I won't do it for Shabbos, I won't do it for Kuach. But he won't. Also, to the Meshur of Kutna. The Meshur of Kutna he is most upset with because the Meshur of Kutna gave him the reverse for it. He said, you know, he told him, he told him, he said, I won't do it. There's a good argument he makes, but I can't. It's a perverse niche. So here, one was afraid of the left, and one was afraid of the right, and one was the one against tradition that are, are that were not tried and tested before. And anyway, what is the, how do you analyze the Lithuanian Mismagic attitude? This thing is clear, there's a step-by-step process. One, as I mentioned, is the grand principle of Emes, Abitashar Torah, Asvara, Yeshara, which leads to a suspicion of a species of originality, of novelty for its own sake. Uh, it's neither psychological nor is it ideological, it's simply moral. It means intellectual honesty. The second, is a fear of inroads by those movements that are based on Kiddush, such as Askola, Reform, uh, the beginnings of Zionism, and what else? Hasidus. So it's a reaction against Hasidus, which they regard as a dangerous innovation. Third, this defensive posture about all that is new in life uh, in, in the community joins with what is simply a natural psychological inertia, a resistance to change generally. Have you tried to change things in your kingdom? How do you bother about them respond? Ask me how my, my people respond that I want to change. It's, it's a very, very difficult thing. Someone once said in a university, trying to change is like trying to move a graveyard. It's a, um, people are normally inertia-bound. They're very resistant to change. And after a while, the normal resistance, plus the, the ideological feeling that I'm afraid to change because of what's going to happen, congeals into a conservative mindset that becomes part of the whole culture. But all of this does not translate into an ideology. It is part, perhaps, of the arsenal of orthodoxy of traditional Judaism as a confront, confronted, a hostile, arrogant, and triumphalist uh, secularism. It was not observed as part of Ashkotas in this, and at no time again was Chiddush, the Halakha, ident- identified or confused with Chiddush, the Das. Certainly, even the Kassam Sotha cannot be accused of that. The one who comes in some way closest is the Chazanish. Chazanish has his fellows, and look at Tatus. You know, Chazal had. The, the numbers of papers clearly outlined in the Mishnah from papers, and the question was that many of them, according to modern medicine, are not really papers, and others are. How do you balance it up? How do you pass them today? What is paper and what is not paper? I'm speaking of papers, Dr. Mamish, technically papers. So the Chazanish says as follows, the Mekhvedir he says, you know the famous Tanabidu of the world which divides human history into three scriptures, the Jewish human history into three scriptures. The first two, uh, 2,000 years, 2,000 years, 2,000 years. The first 2,000 years are Tohu, which, excuse me, which ends proximately with Hanefa Shesharasa Bechoran. Then there's 2,000 years of Torah, 
And then the last 2,000 years are the years of Mashiach. And there are various ways of explaining this threefold history of Tohu, uh, Tohu, Torah, and Mashiach. Chazanish says they did not overlap. The first 2,000 years were Tohu, the was no Torah in the world. The second 2,000 years were Torah. That was the time for Chiddush for Torah, when you could say things in Torah. You can in the second Torah, you can expand Torah. Once that the Kufa came to an end, and it has come to an end, you have Kufa Samashiach. In Kufa Samashiach, you can't do a single Kiddush. You cannot, you cannot have any kind of Takana, any kind of Yisrael, any kind of Kiddush Baalacha. Now, that comes closest to a genuinely conservative stand on the whole issue. As a matter of fact, some contemporary writers in Halakha dealing with um, the, the question of, of setting the time of death I'm sure you have a bit of that controversy. Uh, I relied upon, I relied upon the Chazanish, and even if it's proved to me medically that brain death is real death, well, respiration makes a difference in halakha, because halakhic truth at this point cannot be tampered with, even if it's the facts, the real objective facts, go against it. Okay. But this retrenchment is this reaction against Kiddush is precisely what I fear may be emerging in our day and really a new, a new animus against originality and halakha, of halakha creativity. Let me dip into my basket of anecdotes with just a few more illustrations. This I know for a fact I can't name names. A prominent Shiva in an out-of-town community had a series of problems, halakhic problems, and he didn't want to pass them himself. Uh, probably afraid that if he were passing, no matter what he would say, he would be criticized. So he came to another Rosh Hashiva, another out-of-town community is much more powerful than he is, and presented the propositions with his suggested solution. The Shiva came back, but I'm opposed. I said, why? He said, because I never heard it from my Rebbe. If I never heard it from my Rebbe, you can't do it. This to me is restraint of trade in the intellectual calling of halakha. Uh, I don't want to call quote sources. The Rosh has a tshuva in which he said uh, to a man who said, how can I be the Hadash saying was such a great, great person as father daughter? He said, listen, we have a halakha of no khalifa in, in, in Torah. We have no khalifa. He called him a Munach. He says, Rashi was a great man, the greatest man we had in halakha. And Rabbi and Rabbi Tam, who is on the cross, disagreed with him on every block. You can't tell me that. The black man had a similar problem about someone who, was, uh, who had that attitude, and he was, in typical black man fashion, far more vituperative. My friend, whom I mentioned before, tells me other cases. You know that Blair of the Rishonim thing? So it took him years to break through under the throne of the Basra because the Yeshiva and I said, that means I'm afraid I may find something that will disturb the canon of problems in Barabasa that probably don't relate to Mass anyway. And tells me that he came in offended, he says really a brilliant fellow. Came into the Yafan by then I shouldn't mention that to have it on paper basically. And uh and someone asked the Pasha, and he came up with a parents like that. People were astounded at the, at the brilliance, the originality, and the appropriateness of the parents. They said, tell me, where did you hear that? He said, I did, I just thought of it. And they walked away angry and resentful at the fact that he did to think up an answer by himself instead of being able to quote someone for it. He didn't say kind the man was mistaken. I had a friend. Uh, of many years standing, many, many years standing. Now, I once told him a Kiddush of mine on Meshul Adon, or whatever it may be, in the, in the Kiddush. And he said, it's a very good Kiddush. He said, but what's your serve? I said, I thought of it. He said, unacceptable. <coughs> unacceptable. Now, I understand it. To this day, I understand it by that kind of attitude. Um, but if I'm right, and I'm taking all these various strands, that means that we are entering a rich group where only memory and repetition will be respected, and originality, creative, innovative thinking, will be um, excoriated, will be treated 
being treated there as, as suspicious or certainly as even possibly as heretical. That means the beginning of a new triumph of myopia, which will reduce the intellectually stimulating and inspiring realm of Aloha to simply getting questions and answers from Vosvashtenkishvili and diminish all the military to, shall I say, the halakhic automatons or robots. This would serve to confirm every negative stereotype of halakhically observant Jews and, as well, the stereotype of prejudice, the bias that the spiritual and religious is always dull and unstimulating, and that, that is a Hashem. A few months ago, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but Abhavacha had a sifa, sifa, I'm sorry, which was published in the other minor journal. So sometimes I read them, quite, quite interesting. And, uh, and the Rebbe devoted his whole sifa, or sifa, to uh, uh, demand or request that people publish the Kedusha Torah. Now, I really couldn't figure out what goes in them and, and everything that's going on to, to take an interest Possibly it's a reaction, conscious or unconscious, to the same phenomenon I'm describing as an emerging fear of the new and therefore restraint of Kiddush. Time again does not permit me to go into any detail, but about Cook. In our Cook's writings, almost on every second page, you have a, a, um, a poem of praise to the new. Imagine in the world which already began stifling the Orthodox school, stifling the new Rav Kook, went ahead and, and celebrated the new. Uh, the life of the Jewish people was being renewed in other society, said, and that Kiddush was for him a terribly important thing. And he said, we have to bring in Kiddush into our Rocha, into our brother, in all areas of science and ethics, in our whole Weltanschauung. And the general content of this Kiddush has to be somehow to express the collective soul of Amnesty New ways of thinking in Halakha, new ways of thinking in Hashkafe and in Agada. Now, what's remarkable is that what do you expect to hear this call for Kiddush and novelty and creativity? You expect to hear it from the anti-establishment class. They want, to, they want to get into the act. The establishment normally is conservative. They want to, they want to uh, stay in their places, which may, uh, you know, they want to keep their own, and they, they're afraid of it. But Cook, at the top of the establishment. And yet, he demanded Kiddush and novelty, and knowing that he would not be honored for this request, on the country he was, uh, he was, uh, any of us think that we ever get uh, uh, the sins and hours of criticism, it was certainly far worse for him. Uh, so that boat is under no uh, peace and no serenity. And I will conclude now with it all, that he wouldn't be well. The Rebbe Shemit Isha Alokha elaborates on the Kiddush activity of man as an act of the Patsyo day. Just as God is, is also master gracious, his creativity is found in nature, he created man with a mind and a free will that he should be active and creative not only in nature, but also in Torah. And he writes as follows, Isha Alokha to Isha Midgagaya Yitira of the Kiddush, because his Hebrew is particularly rich, I'll translate this way. Um, the Isha Aloka is a man who yearns for creativity and for Kiddush. Yilid HaTorah, Perushah, Kiddush HaTorah. It doesn't mean to learn Torah, to be Mechadosh in Torah. Halom HaYitzirah, Hi HaIdeya HaMerkazit, the Torah Atasha Lalacha. The central idea of Aloka is the dream, the ambition for creativity. Ideyat HaShivut HaAdam Mitor Shutak LaKadosh Baruch LeBasa Breshit. That is where man becomes a creator. Every aspect, every branch of Yahadud, you have embodied this yearning for creativity and for renewal of the world. What is the ultimate goal of Yahadud? And I tell us, excuse me, the Greek of the purpose of Halakha, because Vaneha Begilu Yeha, Asur Lanu Azda Hasiyah Da'at Me'amur Bazeh, Ki Machazeh Tla'im Shemitzirat Olamot, the greatest, greatest, most marvelous, wonderful vision of the creation of the world. 
Who has done that with Yamin Legishum Karatik Portala Mosha Yisra? This is our great thing. This, to my mind, is the authentic voice of Judaism or the Roberts of Yahadis on the question of Kiddush and Halakha. I concluded a precious story. This lecture began with a much more elementary form of a shield that I gave in the Shalim, I think it was June or July. And in the audience was my dear friend, the Rabbi Lichtenstein. Rabbi Lichtenstein comes up to me after the lecture, after the shield gives me a Shakur, because I've got to tell you a story. He says, uh, Rabbi was once giving a, a lecture or a shield. After the lecture, he said, some of the attendants came up to Rabbi and challenged him. He says, uh, uh, Rabbi Salavichik, what is your source? And Rabbi answered, a clear and logical mind. Uh, we'd like to thank Little Rabbi Lane for inspiring, uh, for inspiring lecture. One of the reasons why we have these conventions and to hear her out is because